Welcome back into Mining Stock Daily. We have some, well, editorial commentary with a frequent guest of the show. That's Mr. Rob Sin, or CEO Technician, as he is known on the interwebs. Rob, good to have you back on the show. How you been? Great to be here, Trevor. Thanks for, you know, having me back. And it's good to be in a bull market summer in the precious metals and junior mining sector. Yeah, what, what summer doldrums? Whatever <laughs> happened to that? <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of people that would that tweet selling man going away and, and go away. And then come June, they're back at it and pumping stocks and talking about all the breakouts and stuff. And, you know, they forgot to sell in May and go away. Or <laughs> <laughs> um, well, let's talk about we are going to talk about some bull market characteristics here in just a few minutes. But I thought I might ask you a little bit about your thoughts here on actions by the Fed. There's a number of deadlines coming down here in the U.S. policies. Um, the, the PPP loans are uh, expiring. Uh, there is uh, a number of unemployment, uh, you know, funds that are expiring. Like it's just this whole list of items that uh, in the next two or three weeks are going to come to a halt unless policymakers here in the U.S. Um, make a decision on how to act. But on the Fed side of thing, we continue to see that the Fed's going to backstop this overall market and, uh, and economy, if that's how you want to, if you want to combine the two into one. Uh, what's your thoughts here on the Fed and, and how we as precious metals investors should be watching their activities? Well, yeah, I think you said it well. The Fed is backstopping the economy and is going to continue to backstop the economy. The Fed has a dual mandate of full employment and stable inflation of around 2%. The Fed is missing on both of its mandates. I mean, the unemployment rate that's stated publicly is over 10%. It's probably quite a bit higher than that. So we're nowhere near full employment and the inflation rate is undershooting to the downside. We're, we're probably at zero inflation right now, if I had to guess, to, you know, to be honest. So the Fed is just going to continue to do everything it possibly can to try and backstop the economy, as you said. And the result of that, the side effect essentially is bubbly and rising stock market and asset prices. Uh, and yeah, you mentioned the PPP. So we're going to have Congress get together in the next couple of weeks because a lot of those programs are running out uh, and they're going to do another one. I think they're going to extend it through year end. Um, it's going to be at least two trillion. It's going to look a little different than the first one, but it's still going to be a large amount of money that's going to be financed through more debt. And so we have this like surreal market environment where you know, we have these COVID outbreaks in the U.S. We have this really bad employment, uh, you know, situation across most of the economy. Um, yet the stock market is going up and lots of different sectors are rallying. I mean, look at Tesla, look at Amazon, look at Netflix, look at gold miners. Right. So there's there's always a bull market somewhere regardless of what the fundamentals of the economy are. And also we got to remember that the market is forward looking. It's looking six to nine months ahead. There's a lot of optimism that six to nine months out, we're going to have a vaccine and the economy will be on the mend. 
And so you have that that combination of the optimism about what things are going to look like six months from now, combined with all this government support and the Fed uh, just going to continue to pour money on this thing until the employment situation looks a lot better than it does today. I mean, I can th- I think I can understand the optimism in the vaccine dialogue, but I, I th- what isn't there a disconnect between a vaccine <laughs> being the means to Tesla being traded at three hundred times earnings? <laughs> I mean, this is just asinine. Well, you know, Tesla's kind of like Amazon was ten years ago. I mean, at least that's what the bull case is. And you can't analyze it based upon earnings. You need to analyze it based upon revenues and potential revenues and revenue growth. And it's going to be like a Facebook model where you get everybody trapped in their Teslas using the software and using the systems that Tesla has created. And then it's just going to be a toll model where everybody has to pay monthly for all these different services and everybody's captured. And so that the market is is looking way, way, way out ahead. And also, you know, Joe Biden right now is about a 60-40 pre- uh, favorite to be the next president of the United States. He wants to do a multi-trillion dollar environmentally friendly bill, which would probably be very bad for the oil industry and be very good for Tesla. So the the, the market is not as dumb as some of us might think. The market's actually pretty shrewd and it's and it's looking ahead. And I know there's all these Tesla skeptics out there, but you know what? They've been very wrong so far and they've been losing a lot of money. And so you either wanna bet on your opinion in the stock market and lose money, or you wanna make money and actually follow what's actually happening, you know? And so I think Tesla's a really great example of that. There's some really smart guys, way smarter than me, who have been short Tesla, and it hasn't worked out too well for them. Uh, I mean, and I, I posed the same question to Chris Temple for tomorrow's show, Rob, but I guess I'll ask you the same. Where do you hedge? I mean, just pull, pulling back from the junior explorers and the precious metal stocks, let's shelve that for a couple of minutes. But in the overall market, how or where do you hedge in something like this? Well, I hedge by not having hardly any broad markers, broad market exposure in my portfolio. And I have been holding 40% cash for quite a while basically since March. I mean, it's, it's shifted between 32% and 50%. It's, it, it's varied a bit, but I, I'm still holding a lot of cash. And honestly, with what's happening in the junior miners, I wish I was fully invested, but I also know that the prudent thing during such an uncertain time is to have um, some you know flexibility. And you know, honestly, if I, if I did have some broad market exposure, like if I was long Amazon and long, and long a Tesla, um, I, I might get some puts or I might sell some upside calls or I might short some stocks that I really don't like that have broken charts. There's lots of different ways to hedge. But honestly, the simplest way is to just have a bit more cash in your portfolio to lower the volatility. Mm-hmm. So these overall major markets major indices here in the U.S., 
what are your thoughts here on a pullback? Is it something that's justified and needed, or do you think we'll complete that V-shaped recovery and then keep on moving up? Tough, tough question. I mean, I can make a bull case. I can make a bear case. I think it's most likely that we're range-bound for at least another month, probably two months, until we have more clarity on COVID, on the election, on a whole bunch of things. Um, as you probably recall from earlier conversations, I was surprised when the S&P got above 3,000. I'm still kind of surprised, but I understand perhaps why this market is so buoyant. And it has a lot to do with things that are probably going to take place over the next couple months that aren't exactly news just quite yet. We talked about the next stimulus. I also think that the Treasury with some help from the Fed, is probably going to make a concerted effort to weaken the U.S. dollar in global forex markets. I think that one of the, the, the last tools they have left is to devalue the dollar and do whatever it takes to get a dollar index down to 75 or 70 or, or maybe even lower. That, oh, you think that low, huh? Oh, yeah. I, I think they're going to go nuclear on it. I think they're going to crush it. I, I think Treasury Secretary will probably maybe come out in August and say, we want a, a weaker dollar and, and state the reasons why the dollar is too strong. And then they might actually take some open market actions to actually sell dollars into Forex markets. You know, and it's going to take a lot of money to knock down the, you know, Euro dollar cross and stuff, but I, I'm pretty sure they're going to do it because honestly, you know, the treasury secretary is a Trump appointee. He's a, you know, Republican and he would like to serve a second term and not be, be out in uh, January the same way Trump, you know, would like to serve a second term. So I, I expect these guys to do what they can to try and stimulate the economy and juice, you know, uh, markets even further. So, so that at least despite all the other failings of this administration, they can say, look at the economy and look at the stock market. And, and just those two things, if they are buoyant and rebounding, will get 40% of the vote. And then it's just a matter of getting that other 10% to put them over the top. The the dollar's somewhat hitting a little bit of uh, support where we're at today, the high 95s. Um, it has been trending downward in the last couple of weeks. I mean, there's a lot more red candles on uh, the last uh, two or three weeks than there are green candles. But uh, do you think if it breaks the support here, here, I mean, it just technically would break down a little bit further without any catalyst from uh, from the government? Um, you know, as we've already established, markets are forward looking and they tend to know things ahead of time. Um, and I would say that, yeah, the dollar's in trouble. The euro dollar cross is 114.32 right now. I think this is on the verge of a major breakout on the weekly time frame. And once the euro dollar gets above, let's say 115 on a weekly closing basis, I think we're on our way to 120. And, and, and that would mean the dollar index is breaking down under 94.50, under 94. Um, 
and there's just a hole on air down under that that 9450 95 area so yeah i i i am very bearish on the U.S. dollar right now, and that's one of the reasons why I'm so bullish on precious metals and junior mining stocks. So the markets are forward thinking, looking out into the future. Let's now turn our attention into some of these, well, the overall junior precious metals market. I tell you what, uh, Rob, if, if, if the markets are looking well into the future, then some of these silver miners and silver explorers are calling for a big big move in silver as uh you know as some of the moves that we saw in the last couple of weeks uh, i mean we talked about the frothiness in the overall markets and maybe you need to have some caution with that but should we have caution here with some of these junior explorers and their big moves you know that's a great question and that's been something i've been trying to figure out for the last couple of weeks um i think that there have been some examples of situations where taking some profits has been the prudent thing to do with some of these stocks and some of the moves that they've had um, 5x or 7x in a matter of two weeks. There's numerous examples like that. We've seen some companies double on getting a spine a financing with you know Eric Sprott, which is kind of I mean, it's good they're getting financed. I mean, we're seeing so much money raised, which is fantastic for the sector. It's fantastic for the economy, uh, especially up in Canada. Um, but it's a little ridiculous to for a stock to go up 100% or, or 80% just because they got this billionaire investor who also owns 200 other companies. You know, it's not like he's cherry-picking He's basically using a shotgun approach and he's a hell of a precious metals bull. And I love the guy because obviously we need him in the sector and he's helped me <laughs> and I'm sure he's helped you too. So, but he's not, he's not like trying to pick one out of a hundred. He's basically saying, Hey, if you're not a complete fraud and you've got a project that looks half decent, here's a million or two million bucks. Or 10 million bucks. Or 10 million bucks, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's just been fascinating. So how have you been trading through this, uh, specifically in your junior mining portfolio? Uh, did you take profits on some of these big moves up? You know, I did. I'm not going to lie to you. Um, there were some moves like with Vizla, VZLA, you know, I was buying Vizla at 40 cents and 43 cents. I, I've been picking away at it since it basically started trading last October. And when it got up to nearly $3, I just said, you know what? I, I mean, the, the drill results are just unbelievable. But I also know how these stocks trade. They have these massive explosions and then they quiet down for a few weeks and they, you know, they probably raise some money, digest the move. And so you probably have an opportunity to buy on a dip. So I did take some profits on my, uh, you know, Vizla up at like 280. Um, and I, and I have, I have sold some of my holdings, but as I said, I still have more than 50% of my portfolio in junior mining. And I've actually added some stocks this week that, you know, are well off their lows, but they're they're forming bull flags or 
you know, range bound um, digestions for a few days or a week. And, and I like the stories and, and I think that we have more upside ahead. So I um, actually just recycled that cash that I took profits on some of my big winners and I just put it right back in the sector because I don't want to be less than, than 50% invested right now. I, I think that we're still in the excitement phase. We're not in the thrill phase. It's not euphoria yet. My mailman and my barber are not asking me how to buy, you know, Great Bear on their Robinhood account yet. So I, I don't think that we're at a top. And and it, as I say that, it's important. And I see I see on CEO.ca all the time. People get so impatient. They buy a stock, maybe because I talked about it, or some other person that they respect talked about it and then it doesn't go up immediately. And then they start typing, uh, you know, what's going on? Why isn't this moving? And, you know, I, I usually don't respond, but it's just like, be patient, you know, like it's actually when a stock is treading water after a bullish, you know, move up, that's good. That's That's usually a bull flag. And, and it, it means two out of three times, it's probably going to keep going higher, you know? So I, I think some patience and also um, having the right mindset for why you buy something. Don't buy a stock, especially a junior, because you want it to go up tomorrow. Buy a junior, do your research, and understand the reasons why this could be worth a lot more, and then wait, you know? And don't, and don't get impatient. Use the time where you're impatient to understand things better. Sound advice, Rob. That's why we have you on the show. Thank you. Great ideas. Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, that's all the time we have, my friend. Uh, but we'll be sure to talk with you again probably next month and see how all this thing plays out. And uh, always love to get your insights. So I appreciate you. All right, Trevor. And I just looked at the fireweed zinc chart pretty bullish cup and handle forming there and i see they're going to be back out um you know in the yukon at mac pass mm -hmm. you know doing some work this summer so love those yukon stocks and really wish i was there this <laughs> summer it was a year ago you and i really kind of hit it off and had it sat down and had a glass of wine and yeah and chit chatted so exactly yeah, memories of that fond memories of that trip and yes the visit to mcmillan pass and i still have my rock sample from the original discovery so very nice well thanks for having me on and have a great rest of your day trevor yeah you too rob thank you so much that's rob sin he's a ceo technician we'll be back tomorrow morning with the in-depth interview so until then have yourself a wonderful day everybody